Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Good morning, First Orlando. How's everybody? Good. You know, it is such an honor for Teddy and I to be with you here. There are so many memories here, uh, so many. And, uh, and, you know, for us, I, I also want you to know that over the last four years, I've really gotten to know uh, your staff team so well. I mean, in working with strategic planning and, and you're down here almost every month, and I, I walk away and I tell Teddy, my wife, Teddy is sitting here with me today. So, hey, baby, glad you're here. Uh, but, you know, I always tell her when I go home, I say, you know what? When I watch Pastor David and Danny and Matthew and David Loveless and the entire team, when I watch them wrestling down uh, issues and challenges and what, how to advance the kingdom on earth here, and I always say, I watch them do that with such integrity and, and humility and a passion for Jesus that is phenomenal to watch. So you've got an incredible team here. And guys, I, I love you. You know, it's not just, they're not just friends in ministry. I really, I've told Danny, you guys feel like family. This is, uh, so it's, it's such an honor to be here. And for us, when we left first Orlando, and we went to seminary, then in that same time, the Orlando Magic were coming on the scene. Okay, how many Magic fans? Help me. All right, right, yeah, sir, if you're doing this, you're not a Magic fan, okay? It's like, I'm a Magic fan, right? The, we, I mean, Magic fans, I mean, for us, we love the Orlando Magic. And so we, when we came back to Ocala, we said, okay, we got to take our boys to a game. And we'd never been to a live NBA game. And so we, we got tickets. I got what I could afford. And, and you know what? I should have known something when it's the ticket said ZZ 102 to 106. <laughs> I walked in. I'm like, you know, where's ZZ? Straight up, sir. It was at, that meant the wall on the back was where our seats were. And we were up so high in the arena that when we looked down, I really believe that the court side, court, that, that was a different zip code. I mean, it was so far. And, and I'm looking, I couldn't see anything on the, on the court. It was just like little people. And, but then they had the Jumbotron. So we watched the Jumbotron. And you know what I learned pretty quickly is that they entertain people in the cheap seats. They, they, I mean, they've got, you know, they got the blimp that flies around and drops free things for the people up there. And, and they, they shoot the t-shirts, the t-shirts, they shoot up to the people there because they want to keep them, you know, uh, as a part of the experience. Well, fast forward a few years and I had a friend of mine who invited me to go to a magic game and he said, Hey, I got, you know, some season tickets. And I said, great. I'd love to go. We walk in and they were on the second row courtside. It is a different game down there. <laughs> I mean, it's like the players are so big. You know, you, you could see the players sweat 
you could hear what they said too, but that, it, you know, that, that was a different experience. There was a stray ball would come in. I mean, you never took your eyes off the game. And, you know, I realized the people in the cheap seats, they don't know what they're missing. They just don't. They're like, they, they don't know that, you know, that, that there's a game really going on that they're engaged in. They're, they were entertained, but not engaged. And you know what? That's okay for a basketball game, but it's not okay for your faith. You know, you, you need to know, you know, what you're missing. And that's really what the series is about. The series is about what's in it for me. And it's a great question. It's a benefit question. It's a, you know what, I'm going to do a cost-benefit analysis. I need to know, well, is, is what I'm about to risk worth the cost? I mean, is it, you know, to, for me to serve, is it, is it worth it? Is there an upside to my effort? And, you know, another way to say it is, what would I miss out if I didn't? And this is how I want to answer that. You will miss everything. If, if, you're, if you don't step into serving, you will miss everything. I am passionate about this. You know why? Because you made me that way. Because 40 years ago when I walked into this place, this place, you, you served. You, you got it. It was put deeply into my DNA. And because of that, when we started the Springs 26 years ago, we embedded it in the DNA of the Springs. That's what we did. We our people get this. They understand it. They, they serve. We've got an army. Like here, it takes an army to serve. And so I really believe that serving changes the world. It changes your world. And Jesus believed that too. That was his plan from the very start. So if you're kind of tracking along with me, and those of you that are online and want to say welcome, we are really glad that you're with us as well. And just following along my Notes and, th- and scripture will be up on the screen for you to track with us. If you have a Bible, you can open it up there as well. But the first thing I want to challenge you is in your Christian faith, don't settle for the cheap seats. Don't, don't settle for the cheap seats. Don't settle for the, the seats that are, you know what, I, I'm being entertained, but I'm not engaged. I, you know, don't settle there. Don't settle for the status quo. Don't settle for the good enoughs. Don't settle for normal Jesus died to give you more than normal. He died to give you more than good enough. He died to give you life to the fullest. And so don't settle for the cheap seats. And Jesus said, you know, if you want to be first, which is a good thing, it's good to want to be first, but first in the kingdom of God is redefined. And in Matthew 20, verse 26, Jesus said it this way, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. He, I mean, he changed it. It was this upside-down kingdom. If you want to be great, you, you're going to have to serve. You're going to have to, you want to be first, you have to be last. It, and, you know, when Jesus invited his disciples to follow him, and, and he was using them to advance the kingdom of God on earth, he made a very strategic decision. I don't know if you've thought about this. He had decided that the kingdom of God on earth was going to advance or recede primarily on the backs of a volunteer organization. He could have, he could have hired a bunch of professionals, but, but he didn't. And he's teaching this in a culture where all the religious leaders, they were, they were the, you know, the top. They were the presidents, the CEOs. The, they made the rules. 
And so he comes into that culture and turns it upside down. And he goes on in verse 28 and says it this way, but um, for, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. He said, even me, I'm, I, if anybody should be served, it's me. But he said, no, I'm going to serve. See, for Jesus, serving wasn't just a good idea. It was the main idea. It, you know, when Pastor David said that last week, he said that you, you are never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And, and so the, if you really want to grow in your faith, that's, it's not an option. It's, it, it's, you're obligated. It's like this is how it happens. If you want to accelerate your spiritual growth, you serve. You step in. You, I mean, it's, it, you know, serving and, you know, it's so counterintuitive, isn't it? It, it is for us. It's countercultural because, let, let's be honest, I, I like me. You like you. You know, it's like, okay, I'm, I, we, we are, we're selfish because of that. We're, and, and hey, don't get me wrong. We were raised that way. I mean, we're, our culture created us that way. It, you think about it, you have, you've got your personal playlist, right? You, you have your own personalized, you know, some of you emojis or avatars. And, you know, I mean, Starbucks, you walk into Starbucks, you have your own personal drink made the way you want it with your name on it. I still don't get it, though. All right. I mean, I, honestly, I walk into Starbucks and they talk a different language. You know, I walk in, I say, I need a medium coffee. They say, grande or bente? I'm like, I, medium. I don't know. I always have to look and say, can you show me which one those are? And, and then the, the people in front of you, they're ordering these drinks. You know, give me a macarena with the two pumps of, you know, and, and I'm like, I, sorry. I, I, but but we, we like it our way. And, and yet, we live in this selfie society, but to grow in our faith, you and I, are, as Christ followers, we're going to have to redefine what greatness is. We're going to have to redefine greatness in our lives. Because we have the idea of greatness is people that are great are at the top of their game. The, you know, it, it, it was just... The, 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 they're the greatest. You remember Muhammad Ali. Some of you remember Ali. I mean, he's, that was his mantra. I am the greatest. And uh, he was on an airplane once, and I heard the story that uh, Ali sat down on the plane, and the flight attendant came by and said, sir, you're going to need a buckle of your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need a seatbelt. And the flight attendant didn't even blink an eye. She said, well, Superman doesn't need an airplane. Buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had to redefine greatness, you know, and, you know, really, you know, you think about the, who's the greatest of all time? We get, who's the GOAT? You know, when it comes to the NBA, who's the greatest of all time? Who is it? Michael Jordan. LeBron. Anybody saying LeBron out there, right? LeBron, Michael Jordan. You know what? It's like, I don't know. There's a debate, right? <laughs> How about, you know, what about the dynasty? You know, New England Patriots, you're saying, well, who's the greatest? Was it Brady or was it Belichick? You know, what? who's the greatest? Well, he's the greatest coach, greatest player, the greatest what? Who's the greatest? I think we found out this year. Um, uh, I'm from Florida, man. I, I love the Bucks. It's like, but, but see, Jesus redefined greatness, and he drew them a picture. 
In John 13, kind of camp out there in John 13, verse, verse 1, he said, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. I mean, he, he loved them to the very end. He knew his time was up. What do you do when you know your time is up? If you had one week to live, what would you do? You know, some people would say, well, I, I mean, I'd go skydiving, or I'd go, you know, on a spending spree, or I'd, you know, I, I would go on the vacation that I always dreamed of. Not Jesus. Jesus had one week to live, and he washed feet. I mean, that, that was... Where he, he stepped in, he washed feet. And it said that he loved them, he, his friends, the disciples. I mean, he poured into them and he said, I'm about ready to leave the kingdom of God on earth in their hands. And he had to be a little nervous, didn't he? Because these were the guys that, you know, they were still arguing about who's going to be the greatest. They were still arguing about, hey, I get the seat of honor. And he's leaving it with them. I mean, that would be it would be like leaving Google in the hands of a group of middle school students. <laughs> Good luck. You know, that, it had to feel that way. But, but then Jesus left them with one big life lesson. Let's take a look at it. John 13, 2. It was time for the supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. Feet. Why would he wash feet? I mean, can we all agree feet are nasty? Right? I mean, I don't even like to wash my own feet. It's, but feet are, are nasty. And, you know, think about present day. We have, we have powder. We have odor eaters. And feet still stink. It's, but then you rewind the clock 2,000 years. There's no sidewalks and manicured lawns. These guys are walking through dirt with camel droppings. And, you know, Jesus gets up to wash feet. You know what it was? It was a shock. It was a shock because it wasn't his job, because nobody expected it, because they, they were uncomfortable, because washing somebody's feet is radical. And some of you right now, you're a little nervous, me talking about washing feet, because you don't know me. And you're thinking, oh no, oh no, he's not going to ask the ushers to bring out the towels in the basins, is he? <laughs> no, that would be weird. You know, it, and, and you got to know something, it was weird for in this moment too, because Jesus, it, they would never expect him to do this. And so, and I don't know if you thought about it, but Jesus in that moment, he washed Judas's feet. Let that one float for a little bit. He washed Judas's feet. I mean, would you have? I probably would have passed him over. I may have done something to him, not something for him. You know, I may have cracked his toes, not washed his toes. I, but, he, but you know what he did? He, he washed. And here's the thing. When you serve, you and I serve. We serve. We don't just serve people that deserve it or can do something for it. 
us or like we like them. Jesus, and I love it. You watch Jesus interact with people. Jesus loved people that were nothing like Jesus. I mean, they, the people that were, they loved him. Yeah, and they were nothing like him. And they loved to be with him. Why? Because he loved people. Right. He loved the broken, the throwaways, the, the, the outcasts, the marginalized. Man. And he again exhibited that. Jesus you know, and Jesus, he was the greatest of all time. All authority had been given to him. And, and you know what? He didn't stand up on a table and say, okay, all authority is mine. Give me, you know, hand me a microphone. No, he got down on his knees and he said, hand me a towel. And he said, that's what we're called to do and we're, and we're called to be. You, that happened to me this week. I experienced that in my life this week. See what most of you are not, obviously not aware of, but I, I lost one of my closest friends uh, a week ago to COVID. And he was on my staff for 12 years. He, he was my friend for 30. And, and we prayed and prayed and we begged God. And he was seven weeks in the hospital and we begged God to heal him. And we, we thought he was coming home from the hospital, but God was taking him home. And our staff... We're walking around with a hole in our heart right now. We don't know what to do. And we're playing hurt. And, you know, there are people that when you experience heartbreak in your life, that they'll call you or they'll text you and they'll say, hey, we're praying for you. Let us know if we could do anything for you. But that wasn't the staff of First Orlando. And I just want you to know that what... what Pastor Danny and David and Matthew, they, they called and texted and said, we're praying for you. We love you. We'll be there Tuesday. And 15 pastors from First Orlando showed up in Ocala at the Springs, and they led worship, and Pastor David spoke words of encouragement, and they prayed over us and our whole staff. And they, they circled around us and they raised their hands over us and they prayed for us. And I want to tell you what, that is love. That is the way people serve. And that is the leadership of this church. And you guys need to be so thankful for that. I, though, that's our family. And you know, when Jesus, when he, he, he said, okay, God, I want you to get why I did this. And in verse 12, it says, after washing his feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You ought to. That you're obligated to. It's not optional. It's commanded and then the other thing I want you to see, I don't know if it has occurred to you yet, but it didn't, for, to me, for a while, it says, you ought to wash each other's feet. He didn't say wash strangers' feet. Wash each other. And so when you're wrestling with where am I going to serve, what am I going to do? It, you've got to get this. I mean, the easiest place to serve is in here, not out there. 
Now, you do both. You're going to get there. I mean, that's what a, a, someone who serves does as a lifestyle. It's their identity. But the low-hanging fruit is in here. The, you wash each other's feet. It's like, okay, uh, you know, look at the way the, the church exploded. They looked and they said, look at the way they love each other. And people came to Christ and changed the city and changed the world because of the way they loved each other. And that, you know, so serving in here, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, we got the courtyard and we're, we're talking about what's in it for me. And, you know, you're talking about a student ministry and kids ministry and guest services. But, you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't do kids and I, I don't really care for students and guest services isn't in my wheelhouse. And, you know, aren't you glad and did you notice that Jesus didn't say, I don't do feet? And aren't you glad that Jesus didn't do crosses, that he did and he chose to and he went to a cross and he gave his life. He didn't say, you know what, I don't have any experience at that or, you know, that's really not my skill set. He laid down his life. He said, this is my example. This is what you do. This is what changes the world. This is what changes your world. We grow when we're in, in service, not in seats. We grow when we're serving. You're, you're, it's going to fast track your spiritual growth when you give your life away. Let me tell you why I'm passionate about this. I learned it here. I walked into this church 40 years ago as someone far from God. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know anything. And I walked into the church and, and gave my life to Christ here. This was the first church I'd ever known. And and then we got into a Sunday school class. You know, young marrieds, Teddy and I, we had a bunch of friends, people we loved. I mean, we loved being in the class. It was like, okay, this is good. And then a lady by the name of Jean Mallory, we called her Mama Jean. She, she came and talked to us and said, hey, I'd love for you to come teach eighth grade students. And I went, I don't do eighth grade. <laughs> and she said, how do you know? I said, I just know. I like what I'm doing. I'm comfortable. She said, no, just come. Just try it out. Just don't. No, no. And she kept calling and kept calling. I looked at Teddy once. I said, this lady will not stop. <laughs> and one day she called. We kept saying, no, 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 no. One day she calls and she said, listen, I got to teach her out next week. Could you be a substitute for one week? <laughs> oh, be very careful. <laughs> and, and we said, okay, all right. And, and so we went. And that one Sunday, we're sitting there. Listen, did I tell you I knew nothing about the Bible, nothing about Christianity? The only thing I knew was what was in that lesson plan. That was it. And so I sat down and I started around the table teaching. And, and then this one kid says, well, that's kind of like what happened to Samson. I ain't got nothing, man. I, and... And I looked at my wife, Tanny, because she grew up in church. And she said, well, yeah, that is. And she took it. And we're walking out to the car. And I said, who is Samson? <laughs> I want to tell you what. I didn't know enough. But it wasn't about my abilities. It was about my availability that changed my life. That I said, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to step in. And you know what happened? I fell in love with those kids. And I grew more in my faith. And I learned more teaching eighth graders than sitting in a class. Because you grow best when you serve, when you step out of comfort, when you stretch yourself. That, 
that's the, that, that's that challenge, that change. You know what? God says, I, I want to do something in your life. It's an invitation to something great in your life. Here's the other thing. I'm an introvert. I don't like crowds. This is God's sense of humor. And I don't. I'm, when we were walking, when Teddy and I first came to First Orlando, we were walking the halls of this massive church, and, and I, I told her, I said, baby, pray that I have the courage to speak to somebody today. Because I didn't make eye contact. I didn't want, I, and that, that's where I was. And if you'd have told me back then, you know, you have the gift of teaching. I would have said, you're crazy. I took a D in high school in speech so I wouldn't have to get in front of the, the class. I did. I'm not, this is not, I never would have known. You know what? Here's the other thing. You discover your spiritual gift or gifts in ministry. Not on a test. Not on, you discover it when you're exercising. Serving is the gymnasium of your faith. And, you know, what I'm telling you about that moment, in eighth grade, Sunday school class, that was my courtside moment. That was the moment that changed everything for me. That was the moment that I, I stepped out of comfort, and, I, and, and God said, I'm inviting you to something big in your life. And, it, you know, Here's the thing, today, some of you, you're sitting here, you're listening, you're going, I don't serve, and I don't really wasn't thinking about it. Listen, this is your courtside moment. I, out on the courtyard, the, the party on the courtyard, this is your courtside moment. When you leave here, don't say, well, I got plans, I'll, I'll do it later. No, 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 no. You do it now, you go. You go, there's people out there, there's tents here, they'll talk to you, they'll find places. Those of you online, you, you can text right now. We want you to be a part of the party too. Text the word online to 40777. Text the word online. We'll send a party to your inbox. We, we want you to step in to serve in our online community, wherever you are. You know what's sitting in front of me? An army. This is an army for the kingdom of God. You, you realize that? Let that sink in. You, you know, there, are, there are people that are waiting for you they're hoping that you'll step in to serve. You'll, it'll change your life. It'll change theirs. You know, and really, you think, well, why should I? I think Jesus answered that one. And he wrapped up this whole teaching and redefining greatness in your life. And he said this in verse 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Not knowing them, not studying them, not memorizing them, not talking about them, doing them. Actions speak louder than words. Actions change lives. It changes yours, and it changes the people that you're going to serve. Let me tell you, let me tell you, Next weekend at First Orlando, if it's like most weekends, let me tell you what's going to happen. There's a woman. She's a wife and a mom. And she's been praying for her husband to go to church with her. And he finally said yes. And next weekend, he'll come. And what, let me tell you what she's praying. As she gets up, that Sunday morning, her husband said he'd go to church with her. She's, 
She wants breakfast to be the best. She wants it to be a great day because she doesn't want him to have a bad day. She wants him to go with her. He'd never been with her. And as she drives toward this campus, you know what she's praying? She's praying, God, please let there be a parking spot near the kids' ministry because if we have to park in Welcome Center B and cart the kids and everything across campus, he'll say, you know what, this isn't worth it. This place is too big. Let's just go. You know what she's praying? She's praying that as they take their daughter Amy to the preschool, she's praying, God, please let let there be enough workers this week that they don't have to combine classes because if, if we walk up to a two-year-old room with 92-year-olds and three teachers, he's going to look in. That's a bad idea, by the way. He, he's going to look in and say, I'm not leaving my daughter in there. Why don't you just go to church and he'll walk the halls with Amy and he won't go in. And, and she's praying, God, when we get to the third grade, I want them to see Billy's small group leader, the one that he loves, the one that he, let him be there because I want my husband to see the way Billy loves his place and how it's different than anything he ever experienced. And as she's walking toward the worship center, she's praying, God, please let, let the ushers and greeters find us a good seat and help us and be friendly to us because he's never experienced friendly in a church. God, when she walks into the worship center, she's, she's praying, I pray that Pastor David and Danny, whoever's teaching, knocks it out of the park this week, that, it, that he gets it, that he understands it, that, that he hears the gospel. God, she's praying, let the music be like it was two weeks ago when I, I sent your presence and I was just crying and worship. God, let it be that. She's praying the whole time. Do you know what she's praying? She's praying that hundreds of us will partner with her to reach her husband for Christ. That's what she's praying. Let me tell you why I'm confident of that. Because 40 years ago, that was my wife's prayer when we walked in the doors of this place for the first time. Wow. That's, that's, the, that's the invitation, man. That is like you... You did that then, you have to do that this now. It's like there's a generation coming. You know, and for me, I, I remember the first time I showed up, I walked in, it was downtown at that point, I walked up to the stairs outside, and the place was packed, and there's no seats, and the music had already started, and I opened the door, and I looked in, and I went, no. I looked at Teddy, I said, let's go, I'm not staying. And we walked back down, and I know it broke her heart, because this was the week. I was coming. I said yes. I heard a voice. Hey, where are you going? And this guy chased me down the stairs. He said, listen, don't leave. I got a seat for you. And he brought me back up. And he, when I realized, he gave me his seat. And I don't know who he was to this day, but I know what he did. That's right. Hey, so my question is, who are you chasing? He had better things to do than chase a 21-year-old down the stairs and give him his seat but he, he was there to serve. That's what he did. And you got to know this. If you're new to First Orlando and you're watching online, you got to know this. The heart of Jesus is that you matter so much to God that he gave everything that he was on a cross 
And he said, I love you. I am passionately in love with you. And I, I want to walk with you. And the cross secured your eternity. That gives you a, a place in heaven. That's the bonus. But he said, I'm going to give you life today to the fullest. And the God of the universe is passionately in love with you. And that's where it starts. And for some of you, you've, you've never began that relationship. You've never trusted Jesus and what he did on the cross to pay for all the past sins in your life, to give you a future and a hope. You can do it right here, right now. Right. Let's go to the Father in prayer. That's your desire as you bow your heads and close your eyes. And you say, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. Tell him that. You could pray this prayer, not out loud, but between you and God, right where you're sitting. You say, dear Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sin to give me eternal life and full, rich, meaningful life today. I choose to follow you, Jesus, and I ask you to be leader, Savior. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week. And the God of the universe is passionately in love with you. And that's where it starts. And for some of you, you've, you've never began that relationship. You've never trusted Jesus and what he did on the cross to pay for all the past sins in your life, to give you a future and a hope. You can do it right here, right now. Right. Let's go to the Father in prayer. That's your desire as you bow your heads and close your eyes. And you say, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. Tell him that. You could pray this prayer, not out loud, but between you and God, right where you're sitting. You say, dear Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sin, to give me eternal life and full, rich, meaningful life today. I choose to follow you, Jesus, and I ask you to be leader, Savior. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.